Good morning. Good to see you all. Thank you so much, guys, for leading us so wonderfully, as always. A um, couple of things, really quickly. Uh, I have the opportunity, the privilege, actually, to sit on the Evangelical Alliance Northern Ireland Exec team. And, um, and they've just produced this uh, really good resource called Time to Talk. Um, and so for those who are parents and, or carers of, uh, of teenagers, so that sort of um, 12, 13 and upward age group, these are a really good guide for better conversations about relationships and sexuality. Uh, it is a really contended space in, in our society, this, um, this topic. And so it, it's great to be around people who are producing resources to help parents and carers um, be able to serve their young people really well. Um, so I've got a couple of those copies with me if somebody wanted to grab one. If you're at the place where you are needing to have that conversation pretty quickly, that is a really helpful resource to, um, to, to, keep, your, to keep you right. Um, the other thing, let me, I'd love just to pray for, I'd love to pray for the team that's in Zambia. David, did David mention it? Amy, had, uh, Amy sent a quick message this morning. Uh, she said, good morning from Serenji. You know what that is, Robert? Serenji. Probably making an awful uh, stab at that pronunciation, but that's where they're at. It's somewhere on the Great North Road. We, we are currently on our way to Kasama. They left, we left Cabway this morning at 5.45 and are not yet halfway. We will arrive in Kasama around 7 p.m. this evening. But they had a great time in Lusaka and Cabway and are looking forward to visiting our drop-in school over the next few days. Our friends here send their greetings. See you all next Sunday. So that's from Amy, and uh, on behalf of her mum, Fran, and mom, my mum and dad, and also Zonke from Germany is with them as well. So let me pray for them as they're halfway through this long journey. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for what we've sang, but what we've been able to sing because it's true of who you are and what you've done and what you're longing for us to, to know and to walk in and to live out. And um, we thank you for those who are living out the ways of Jesus in different parts of the world today. We thank you for um, Fran and Amy and mum and dad and Zonky. And, uh, and as I travel on the road right now with um, with Richard, I pray that you would protect them, God, on the arduous journey, God, that even there that your presence would be with them, that they would sense and know you even in the van as they journey to continue to be a blessing, as they have already been to um, to the to the to the children and young people of Zambia, and. Um, and as they go to the drop-in school, we cannot but um, just once again thank you and honour and celebrate um, how you've used Robert and Lois to, uh, to establish something um, astounding, God, something remarkable that reflects the goodness of God and the, and the wonder of the kingdom 
And um, so we thank you for Robert and Lois. Pray that you continue to be with Lois. Pray that you be with Robert. Um, thank you, God, for Imam with us today. And as we had the privilege to pray for him on Tuesday, thank you for the joy of being able to meet him today. And I pray that you would bless this young man. Um, and God for us all as we, as we, uh, as we continue to learn together, as we continue to grow together, I pray that you would continue to be present with us in these moments. Bless our kids as um, even as they are um, down having fun. God, just pray and thank you that you're in the midst of all of that. Thank you that that brings you great joy, and I pray that they would all sense the joy of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, keeping an eye on the weather forecast, it looks like it's going to be a good week. And usually that keeps everybody happy. As a hay fever sufferer, I'm not uh, looking forward to it as much. I'm always trying to find the right, uh, the right honey. I'm always trying to find the right honey. To that Apparently, if you've got the right local honey, that uh, works wonders for hay fever sufferers. So I went into the pet shop this week and I asked for 12 bees. I thought, make me own honey. So I asked for 12 bees and the pet shop owner bought them out. And I counted out the bees and there was 13, 13 bees. I says, you've given me one too many. He says, oh, that's a freebie. <laughs> Bridget, Bridget, God bless you. I, I hear that laugh in the corner. I see it. Um... This, this morning we are we're going to look in First Peter chapter four. Um, it's another one of those. It's another one of those uh, of the five places that talks about the gifts. This is the this is the one we haven't looked at yet. First um, Peter four, and it's only a few verses. First Peter four verses seven to eleven um, is what we're going to read this morning. But just before we we continue on, as we have been over the last number of months, talking, challenging. Uh, trying to pull out of one another the, the giftings that are in us. Um, uh, we've been talking about we've talked about that, how we steward what has been entrusted to us, the trust that the Father has committed to each one of us and how we steward that really well, whether it is our time, our treasure, or our talents, our gifts. Um, but just before that, I, I, I couldn't not, mentioned this morning the, the passing of uh, an absolute titan in, uh, of, in the faith. And uh, is, a, is a guy, and maybe, maybe some of you will know him, some of you might have heard of him, Tim Keller passed away over the weekend and Tim Keller had suffered for a number of years with cancer. But he suffered with such integrity and dignity. Um, even before he had cancer, he'd, he'd, he'd written a book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. He just, uh, he just had a remarkable theology, which, not, which in the Western church we don't really have, I, th I think. He just had a remarkable theology around suffering, but remaining faithful uh, to the calling of God that was on his life. And, um, and so I've just been struck over the last couple of days by his legacy. I'm not just I'm not just paying tribute just for the just for the sake of it, but I'm I'm so struck by his legacy. The first book that he ever wrote was called Ministries of Mercy, and I, I would really I would recommend any one of his books to you. Um, he's probably one of the first authors that I that really got me into reading actually. Um, 
And I know that can be easy to say after the passing of someone, but it's true. He, he'd, he'd written it, um, written a little book uh, called Prodigal God. Uh, I remember reading it and just being struck by how, like, the the beauty of God, and um, and so that's what it, that's what his books did all the time, just like magnified Jesus, made made much of him, and. Um, other book, re- reason, even his apologetics books, um, reasons for God, all of that. But his first book was, was uh, worth, for me anyway, worth commenting on because I would love you to consider reading it or purchasing it. So we've, I think we've, you've heard me and some of us talk about the third way here before. Um, there's, there's so, so much, could be so much dogmatism on the right and on the left and trying to find this sort of center ground, sort of trying to find this third way. And Tim Keller was doing that even before it was it was a thing, before it was popular, I suppose. And he just used his he just used his books and he used his preaching to call all of the body, no matter what your disagreements or what your differences or what your denomination, he was calling all of the body to serve all of the world with Jesus at the very center. And that's an incredible, that's an incredible legacy to leave behind, and and I just have always appreciated his posture, and that is never, uh, never better lived out than whenever you hear people that probably he in in many ways theologically would have disagreed strongly with, but yet are telling stories of how they were able to build a friendship and a relationship in spite of such strong difference. And I just think it's worth remarking on the posture, that sort of kingdom posture that I aspire to and, and love to be around people that carry that same, um, that same generosity towards people that they are even in opposition with. He was incredibly magnanimous. That was the word I was looking for, but was sort of afraid to go, to go for it. Um, but there's that posture of just being incredibly generous towards people that he was even in disagreement with. He said this, I'll finish here, that tolerance isn't about not having beliefs. Tolerance isn't about not having beliefs. It's about how your beliefs lead you to treat people who disagree with you. How do your beliefs lead you to treat people who disagree with you? And I think he... Uh, lived that out incredibly well. So I want to mention that because I think I think it's worth highlighting um, because there's so much in our world of leaders who have fallen and we talk about that. We, we spend so much of our conversations talking about the scandal and the stories of the, and the fall. And so I think it's worth giving a few minutes to, to somebody who is, who is around the course and kept the faith finished well um, and uh, and commend to you his his books and uh, and his sermons as well so Romans Romans chapter 12 we've covered first Corinthians 12 Ephesians 4 and so let me read first um, Peter chapter 4 verses 7 to 11 a nice cheery start the end of all things is near Peter says therefore Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The end is near, Peter says. He says this 2,000 years ago. Um, People have thought that they were living in the last days for the last 2,000 years. Um, So some of that some of that rhetoric that we can hear so often whenever something is going on, or we're definitely living in the end days. And I'm not wanting to critique that necessarily, but I'm just pointing out that Peter, 2,000 years ago, was convinced that they were living as if the end was imminent. The challenge for us that I think is worth taking from some of what Peter is communicating to the scattered people that he was writing to here I think still applies to us now the end of all things is near we have no idea when it's when it's going to be Peter thought it was 2,000 years ago if you listen to some people that stand with their foghorns in the street corners some places you think it's um it's coming over the next number of weeks we don't know when but I guess the challenge is that we live as if it is the challenge Peter was making to the to the church, to the exiles scattered, live as if it is near. See, I think that if you were to go and search what Jesus said, I find it very telling that Jesus didn't even know. Jesus said himself, only the Father knows, I have no idea. And so it almost feels like that is that is what Jesus would be encouraging those that were listening to him then and for those listening to him now effectively feels like he was saying I don't know when I'm coming back but live like it could be any time I don't know when I'm coming back but live like it could be any time and so if the end is near what is the way that we should live if we're going to live that it could be any time what is it that we want to give ourselves to and I think in just a few short verses Peter Um, condenses this down for us in really simply sometimes my frustration at times with the with the church and those that um, those that preach sort of this end is near stuff is that it they almost communicate it in a way that induces fear and induces panic and I don't think that's that's good or wise or healthy especially with what Peter follows it up with the end is near so be be like, be sober-minded, be clear-minded and self-controlled, is what he says. That feels the opposite of the fear and the panic that can be sometimes induced whenever we speak about the end. The end is near, so live this, this way. Peter is writing to a people, and I think we've, we've talked about, did I, I can't remember if it was a midweek or a Sunday. It's awful that I can't remember that. But we, we talked through first, first Peter. We talked about how he was writing to a people who have been scattered. He was writing to a people who were facing, who were facing insults and persecution. People who were facing 
slander of all types of form because of their trust in Jesus, because of their commitment of following the ways of Jesus. People that were once far from him, people that were once living in um, really dark, destructive ways had now given that up to follow the ways of Jesus. And because of their trust in Jesus, they ended up scattered right across the diaspora and that is still the, the, the challenge that Peter is wanting to make. He's acknowledging over and over that, that this is difficult, that there is a cost to be paid in following the ways of Jesus. But there is a way to live even though the end is near, or it could be, and things are difficult. He tells us, don't be surprised at the painful trials. This is what you should give yourself to. I know I'm, I'm, making, I'm trying to make my way towards speaking of gifting, but I haven't been able to find myself almost hardly move away from these these first couple of lines of Peter's. Because you hear some stories, and Jimmy Lee was sharing with us a story this morning. You observe and you and you hear stories, you observe what's going on in the world. And you can't help at times but live with the, the the pain and the frustration and the anger almost at times of, of what's going on of the injustice that people have to face, with the pain and the suffering that people have to endure through no fault of their own. As you observe what's going on in the world, I've, I find it at times difficult to pray. I suppose I, I, I found something of what Peter was saying here almost quite helpful because I think I, I recognize that my difficulty with with praying at times of real frustration with what is going on in the world, people being scattered, injustice, real, real unfairness. A fog settles on my mind at times. My mind is so cluttered with thoughts and feelings and like just angst at times of what, what you observe in the world. And I find that that just makes it difficult to pray. And so just struck by, by, the, by what Peter tells us here. Peter says, be clear-minded so that you can pray. And so when I'm listening to Peter, I feel like Peter's got my attention here. Because I'm like, I, I, I find it difficult to pray. And I'm recognizing actually it's because my mind is so cluttered, so not clear. Fog has settled. It feels difficult um, to be clear-minded. It's this idea of clear-minded. The whole word translated in the Greek comes from two words, which is sous, which means safe, and friend, which means that what regulates life. And the root of that English friend or frame is where we get our word diaphragm. And so as I consider, like, I feel like I should bring a nurse up here to do a better job of describing the function of a diaphragm. 
But what I think it does is that it controls our ability to breathe. It, um, it moderates our heartbeat. And it brings safety to the body by keeping it properly controlled. I don't know, as I was considering this last night and this morning, there was just something like that I found like quite, I don't even know what, what word to use to describe it. Just thinking of the diaphragm, that, that it just felt like a, there was an ability to, to breathe. An ability, if I was able to control my ability to breathe, to moderate my heartbreak and to bring safety to the body, it would bring my mind into some sort of control. Maybe this all sounds nonsense, but there's something about there's some, been something about that level of being able to breathe deeply that would declutter my mind, to be able to regulate my body and my mind enough to be able to, to unfog it. And so that's what I tried to practice this morning in order to try to defog or declutter just to try to regulate my heart, to try and bring safety in some ways to my body and bring it under some sort of control. It was just, God, you're good. There's something about that that just like brought some sort of safety, brought some sort of regulation. God, you're faithful. God, you are so committed to us. You love us. God, you see what's going on. And I know this is really simple and it's really basic. But you see what's going on. You're like you're you're right in the midst of the depth of the hurt and the pain that people are going through. You're like you're not distant from it. And there's something about that just like like just was helps declutter feeling that I actually I can pray when I do that. I feel like there's a way of like slowing down and and I know that we've talked about that before. But it felt like it just moderates the heart and it brings safety. It brings it under control. It feels like I'm able to pray. And those are the things that, Paul, that Peter is wanting us to give ourselves to in the, midst of, in the midst of trial, in the midst of things that are difficult, as he goes on to talk about in verse 12. Living as if the end could come at any time this is what you give yourself to, to prayer, to loving each other deeply, to offering hospitality, and to using your gifts to serve. And I wonder if I didn't have these verses, what, if you were to have been asked a question, if somebody was just to come up to you and have asked, if you knew that the, you were to live in such a way that the end was near, what do you think you should give yourself to? What should you prioritize? I wonder what your answer would be. I'd almost love to know. There'd be like sort of the nosy part of me would just love to know what you would say. Because Paul, Peter is telling us to pray and to love each other deeply. It's so relational what Peter is encouraging us to give ourselves to. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another. Without grumbling, by the way. That's... Maybe sometimes can leave that bit, that bit out. And here's verse 10 again. My goodness, of all the things that I would love 
you to have got fully embedded in your heart over the last number of weeks is this simple line each one should use each one each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others each one and i still would i still would love us to be able to within ourselves or just even within our conversations with people continue to be bold enough or vulnerable enough or honest enough to to ask the question like what is it that that keeps us from using this gift that has been given what is this what is it that at times maybe we're happy to leave it wrapped all right we're happy to leave it wrapped because even could maybe get the place where like you read through the exhortation of Peter and Paul and Jesus and you're like well even if I do open it if I open it that's just for the benefit of others we get a gift Joe's 40 well I actually think Joe would Joe's going to get loads of gifts over the next couple of days and I'd be like if I knew that there was a gift I'm so selfish aren't I if I knew there was a gift sitting there that was left uh, wrapped and you that open it was only for the benefit of others. Well, what, you, what am I going to open it for? I only want to open stuff that's going to benefit me. Maybe that's what we think, can think. Leave our gift unwrapped because... Well, maybe that's unfair. This line... In some ways, maybe this is just where I'm at. But this doesn't stir something within you to use your gift to serve others. I'm not sure what else that we could say that would. Because as you use your gift to serve others, you are administering God's grace. Like I, I find there's something about that I just find remarkable that as we use the gift that he has given us, it is like distributing, it is like handing out God's grace. You've been given gifts and abilities to actually administer the grace of God to people in all of its various forms. And again, I know we've talked about this several years ago, uh, this idea of administering, um, this idea of stewardship, uh, this was what we've been trying to talk about, the overarching theme of the last number of months. But it's this word oikonomia, and it's used seven or eight times throughout the New Testament, mostly by Paul, and once here by Peter. And this oikonomia is like you've you've the oversight of something. You've been given the responsibility of someone else's property. As you go back, if you went back into Luke chapter sixteen, you'll see that's the only time this word is used in the Gospels. It was talking about the. It's talking about the shrewd businessman who was, who was, essentially he was entrusted with something that wasn't his. He was, but he was responsible for someone else's property. And if we were to flick through the few other times that this word is mentioned, just reminds you of the responsibility that you've been given with something, someone else's property. So First Corinthians nine verse seventeen discharging, Paul speaking, discharging the trust committed to me. 
Um, Colossians 1 verse 25, by the commission God gave me to present to you. And then Ephesians 3, to make plain to everyone the administration of this, this mystery. And that verse goes on, those verses go on to say that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. And something of what Peter is saying is essentially similar to what Paul is saying in Ephesians 3. Paul is challenging the church to make plain to everyone this mystery. You have been entrusted. You have, you have stewardship. You have a responsibility to make known to the principalities above and below, to make Jesus known everywhere. You've been given that responsibility, that to, to make plain to everyone the administration, that through us, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known everywhere. And Peter is saying to use your whatever gift you've received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that's why, again, that's why it needs everyone. It needs the diversity of gifts. It needs a diversity of gifts because of the diversity of the world that we're called to love and to serve. And as we use what's been given, as we take responsibility, um, as we take responsibility of what he has trusted to us, I find it remarkable that he trusts me. He trusts me. And maybe that's another thing you need to just keep reminding yourself that we've been talking about over the last number of weeks. And just sit with that for long enough that you actually begin to believe it. God trusts you. And I know that we are, part of what we do in these times together is to call people to, to trust him. It's remarkable how committed he is to partnership. How committed he is to participating with us in seeing the kingdom come so much so that he trusts you and Paul says that. There's a trust that he has committed to me and I have a responsibility to discharge it. And so we administer his grace in all its various forms, multifaceted, diverse nature of God. We make it known everywhere. And so for Peter, in order to make Jesus known everywhere, this is how we live. We steward we administer um, what he has trusted us with. And as we do that, we'll, we'll make him known everywhere. That seems to be the, in Peter's writing, Paul's writing, and even from the words of Jesus, that seems to be the inevitable fruit, the inevitable, inevitable conclusion as you steward and distribute, administer what has been entrusted to you. Jesus will be made known everywhere. So that in all things, Peter says, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus. And I always hate trying to, trying to like, I spent so much of, like, my, maybe like my early, early 20s just going to different conferences to try and find formulas to, grow church or trying to find formulas that would make a really quality um, devotional time. The formulas are, 
formulas are impossible. But as I've been engaging with this stuff over the last number of weeks, I almost feel reluctant to say it, but if it, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm like submitting this to you. It feels like the less participation, if, if reading between the lines of Peter and Paul, the less we participate, the less he's made known. Maybe that seems really obvious now that I said it out loud. The less participation, the less he's made known. And the thing is, like I know that we all want him, those of us that are committed to following the ways of Jesus, we want, we want him to be made known everywhere. And David's right what he says this morning there's sometimes it just requires us he's done it all he's given us all that we need and and the time it just it's going to require us to reach out to reach up or reach out whatever it's going to take now if we want to make him known if you if you want to make him known lack lack of participation or not opening your gift is not an option i don't see how it is that's right again trying to maybe infer what Peter is saying, like a lack of hospitality or a lack of deep love, commitment to one another, a lack of prayer, a lack of using the gifts, it makes the body weak. It makes the body weak, weaker. In fact, it makes it dysfunctional. It's not functioning whenever we lack in these things that Peter has um, encouraged us with. And it was too cheesy, but the picture I had in my mind as I was um, praying this morning was the, the one of Lord Kitchener where they did years ago where your country needs you and this finger pointing out. I almost wanted to stick that up and like take his image out and put an image of Jesus or God on it, but like, how do you find it? And it a good enough image. But essentially that's what you need to what you need to hear. Your church needs you. Your your country needs you. This is like maybe sounds too, too grand, but I I think it's true. Your country needs you. Your your family needs you. They need you to to be self controlled and clear minded so that you can pray. They need you to love. The world needs us to love each other deeply. We need to offer hospitality. And we need to use the gifts that have been given. And so, Father, would you please help us to do that? The, the, the truth is there's no... There's no real formula for that. It, it just requires a desire. It requires a, a longing and a willingness it even requires a vulnerability to, to maybe to maybe get it wrong, or maybe not get it right the first time. God, I pray that you would help us to be to be willing to do that. I pray there would be a, a safety in the body to be able to discover our giftings and our callings. God, I thank you for the diverse, multifaceted nature of this room. I thank you how that reflects 
the wisdom and the, and the kindness of God. And Father, I just pray that we would, you would continue to use us to put that on the display in every place that we find ourselves in. So we uh, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you that you're right now at work. You're calling us, imploring us to participate with you. So would you continue to help us, God? Help, to help us to, to work this out and live this out um, in order to make you known everywhere. We recognize and believe that you are the hope of the world. You're the hope that this world desperately needs. You're the light and the life that this world desperately needs. So help us, we pray, King Jesus. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Done. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. See you soon.